Hello. Hello. Welcome back to another episode of What Catholic School Didn't Teach You. My name is Katie. My name is Jillian. And it's so great to be back for episode three. We're so happy. Cruising right along. We're so happy. Um, to kick things off, uh, Jilly, tell us all about your weekend. Uh, where do I even start? <laughs> First of all, thank you, Phil, for the early spring coming in clutch. That's what I was really hoping for because your girl's cold always, and I'm really over it. Only time I like snow is if it gets me off of work. So those will still be allowed if like a flurry here and there comes and I get to stay home. Great. If not, no more cold. Um, but speaking of cold, it was intense. Like yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I've been watching it now for years on the live stream. I wasn't prepared for the thousands of people that were going to be there. And so we woke up at, I paint the picture. It was a four and a half hour drive from where I live to Phil, to Puxatani. Then at two in the morning, we got up because we needed to be, so you like met in like this Walmart parking lot that's right around Gobbler's Knob, which is where Phil is. And don't blame me. Anyway, so then you take this shuttle from this parking lot to Gobbler's Knob. And at this point, it's like 3.30 in the morning. Phil does not make his appearance until 7.30. So now we are just chilling in the woods, waiting for Phil for a very long amount of time in very, very cold weather. Um, Although apparently this was mild compared to how cold it's been in the past. And I thought my feet were going to fall off. So I can't imagine the the people in the past that have gone. Kudos to you. I don't know how, honestly, truly, I don't know what situation would have happened if it was colder for me. Cause it, it I don't know. I, I don't do well in cold. My friends were so wonderful. I felt so bad. Cause even in the house, I like could not get warm for the rest of the weekend. Mm. And I run extremely cold always like more than the average human. So they were all like sweating and I'm like, sh- I like literally went to sleep in every single item of clothing that I brought to <laughs> this weekend, including my coat because I was so cold and they were just so wonderful with working with me. And then the next day we just went to lunch with Phil. So I saw Phil up close and personal and he is just the cutest little chunk you will ever meet in your life. So were you like in a dining room and they had him like you sent me a picture of him in that glass yes. like, exhibit. So it was kind of like a fire hall, you know, like how like firehouses yeah. have like those banquet halls. It was like upstairs in one of those. And um, they had like a table out and whatever. And they just brought him in his little container. And um, we got to line up and take pictures and say hi to Phil. And he was eating corn. And he had little corns on the cob um, in there with him. And he was so stinking cute. And they reassured because I did. was a little emotional when I first saw him because I was like, oh my gosh, Phil. But they, he gets to run around. Like he is the most pampered groundhog to ever exist. And like, yes, he is a little bit verklempt this weekend. But the rest of the weekend still lives his best life. Imagine. And the best thing is that there are groundhogs literally all over Puxatani. Like they have embraced the groundhog nature and they're just, it was, that was half the, the fun was seeing all the groundhogs everywhere. Everyone's like real groundhogs. 
no like just like theme. pictures like different like Got statues it. of phil or like um <laughs> I was the like imagining like, everybody had their own groundhog and <laughs> I I know that would have been wild, but they're actually very temperamental. Like they're not one to be tamed sure. in any way. So they, like, I don't think that would work out well for them. Just but, like you, Joe. Oh, <laughs> very true. As I mean, Phil just get each other on a very spiritual level. Um, <laughs> but the, um, the firehouse had a little cartoon groundhog with a fire hose and just different businesses had businesses had different images of phil just or, or just i guess groundhogs but i like to think that they're all phil um around the town and it was so stinking cute it was so cute um it was such a great weekend i had the best time ever but i don't think you'll ever catch me back there again for this particular thing i mean maybe the lunch with phil was great food was great loved it I feel like uh, this is kind of like your, not kind of, this is your Super Bowl. Yeah, I didn't even know the Super like, Bowl was this coming weekend. So you went, you had a blast. <laughs> you were like, I've been looking forward to this my whole life. I finally get to do it. But now it's like, I've been there. I'm good. I got my yeah. fix. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, on that note. Uh, <laughs> yes, Katie, what would you like to say now? Roach a more serious side. Um, I prepared a statement. it has come to my attention that my views and comments on groundhog's day were small-minded and hurtful to our treasured national mascot punxatani phil and while we have yet to hear from phil directly i can only assume the impact my words have had and i sincerely hope they did not dampen the spirit of gobbler's knob on february the 2nd 2024 sounds like they did not not no, only was I not. incorrect about this not being a holy day, or holiday, I should say, but it has been brought to my attention that Catholics have a deep history of this celebration. Shout out to Riley Casey for calling me out on that. I would like to issue an official apology to our listeners, to my dear friend, Jillian, and most importantly, to Punxsutawney Phil, seer of seers, sage of sages, prognosticator of prognosticators, and weather prophet extraordinaire. I've seen the air of my ways, and I will continue to grow. On behalf of Phil, we we take your apology. I did not realize this was going to be such a divisive. <laughs> Honestly, I didn't either. <laughs> we had people texting us left, right, and center People were taking sides. People were like, Jill's own mother took my side, which made me feel very validated. Most of our friends took Jillian's side. (laughs) I did not realize. People felt so strongly about this. One of my students, I sent a picture of me in my in my hat that my friend Claire made um, to the to like the leadership group chat, and she was like, she called me Fillion. I just thought that was the greatest thing ever. Um, I really enjoyed that. Um, and also my friend Amanda and her mom were really like the spearheaders of us loving Phil for the time that I've known them. And Amanda read out the whole proclamation when we all got there the first night. And shout out to Monica for being part of this VIP Facebook group that was able to get us the lunch tickets with Phil because let me tell you those sold out within minutes like Taylor Swift too 
Foxatani <laughs> Phil can sell out <laughs> a hall Taylor like Swift none other. Who? So don't come me. at Phil. <laughs> Taylor's coming. The Phil is coming for Taylor's crown. For real, man. They're neck and neck. And they the they had a talent show, and the people who won were from Australia. Like there were people from around the world at Gobbler's Knob, and wow. I was shook. And there were people, I guess, that, that were watching the live stream that were in China. This is this a is a, this world is intense. I didn't realize. Okay. I didn't know. I didn't know. All right. I'm oh. sorry. How many times do I have to apologize? We, I accept your apology, but I'm just glad you know now the error of your ways. Thank you. But I will. I will take. Where I, what's the word? Not faltered, but I could be called out on something. Nobody has heard of the song that I sang. Nobody has heard that song. Nobody has heard it. No one. And let me tell you, people are making up songs left and right on Groundhog's Day and putting Phil's name and stuff. Uh, and, but I, that particular song, and I scoured the internet. You must have had just like a very talented teacher yeah it was it like has to be. we're just gonna make up a song for every holiday because like, i would not have i don't day. have the like, mentality to come up with that on my own it just it can't be but also my mom didn't remember it which was shocking to me no so i don't know where this came from but i'm telling you this was a thing when i was a child and i did not make it up jillian you have a birthday this weekend i do i'll be 31 <laughs> what are you gonna do no well I love my birthday and it's not just one day. It's, it's, it's a, it's a mood. It's a feel. You're a, it's, it's a, a month celebrating. Yeah. I was about to say, you're a birth week celebrator. <laughs> I'm a birth month celebrator. As, as am I. <laughs> I'm, I'm also a birth week. Yes. Celebrator. So I feel like we kicked off everything with Phil, which was chef's kiss 10 out of 10. This weekend on Saturday, I'm getting my nails done with my friend Kat who I did JBC with my year of service. And then at night we're going bowling with our significant others. Nice. And then next weekend I'm having a slumber party with my college friends and we're going to Costco to get hot dogs because that is my favorite thing in the entire planet is a Costco hot dog for a dollar 50. That sounds really nice. Actually, that sounds like a great birthday. A drink for a dollar fifty. Is there any other birthday celebration you need? No. But then the weekend after that, we're gonna be together. So fun. Yeah. The weekend after my birthday, we're gonna be we're gonna be chilling in in Ithaca. Yeah. So I mean, Uh, it's so Jillian. So Jillian and I have the same birth month. Our birthdays are a couple weeks apart. Our friend Riley also has the same birth month. Shout out again. Her day, her birthday is a couple days before Jillian's. But in <laughs> grad school, Jillian was known to anytime she wanted to do something and we wouldn't do it with her or something, she would say, "It's my birthday," and it would be like February, like sixteenth, like a whole week <laughs> after her birthday. It's my birthday, and it'd be like, "It's no, it's not. It's <laughs> it's my birthday now. We moved it's on. Our birthday. <laughs> we should all do things together." was always our response of like well it's our birthday so it was just so and silly my birthday just seems to be a great day for all because speaking of riley one more time she got engaged on my birthday and and katie 
is going on her honeymoon on my birthday. I will be in Turks and Caicos on your nice. birthday. On your bird day. Yeah. Finally, we've kind of put it off for a couple months um, with starting new jobs and everything. So we're going and we're going to sit on a beach and drink some pineapple alcoholic drinks, which is all I want to do. And that uh, great. explore. Jake wants to go snorkeling. I don't. So we found this great booze cruise snorkeling thing where <laughs> so you, can, sit you can you can booze or you can snorkel. So best I of love that for you both. And Jake found some birthday. pirate ships we can explore, so I'm definitely into that. Wow. On my birthday, you should get a pineapple juice and Jake, she had a beer <laughs> so that you could really celebrate my birthday. As it just go to move at a bar. Yeah, we went to this one bar in Boston that would, uh, if you ordered a drink, you would get a $2 burger. Shout out to the Ave. But I didn't drink. I don't drink beer. I don't like carbonation. So instead, I would just get pineapple juice. And it looked like a beer, so nobody would question me, but I would really just be sitting there drinking pineapple juice while everyone's drinking beer. (laughs) So let's move on to our next segment. I hate non sequiturs. We are so honored and excited to have our first ever guest on uh, What Catholic School Didn't Teach You, our dear Lovely friend, Mark Alibrandi. Mark is a friend from BC grad school. Um, He attended Fordham University for undergrad at BC with us, and he is now a campus minister at Fairfield. Is that your official title, Mark? Campus minister or campus leader retreats or something? (laughs) Campus minister for retreats and spiritual programs is my official title. I was so You were very close. close. You were right there. Yay. So welcome, Mark. Thanks, thanks, Thanks for having me. You know, a long-time listener, first-time caller, excited to jump in with the uh, with the pod. You guys have been doing a great job. I caught up over the weekend. Um, and then, wow. Shucks, thanks, Yeah, bud. you guys are doing excellent work, and I feel very honored to be the first guest on episode three. That's fantastic. So we were thinking about, when we were planning our episodes out of what we wanted to talk about, we knew that we wanted to talk about prayer. and while we were putting this together, we were like, who do we bring on that can really speak to this? And both of us were like, Mark, absolutely. And I think this is a really good time for this, being that Lent is next week, which is wild, on Valentine's Day. So happy Valentine's Day, everyone. Happy Valentine's Day. <laughs> so I think talking about prayer is very prevalent right now because you might be sitting there thinking, what do I do for Lent this year? What is something that I can add to my life in a prayerful way that will be fruitful and maybe you're at a loss for what that could be. So maybe we can help. Yeah. And I feel like, I don't know about if this is a question you get a lot, Mark or Jillian, but a lot of my students, when they sit down with me and we talk like about their spiritual life or their faith life, um, I ask them like, what does prayer look like for you? And they're like, I don't really pray because it's awkward and it's weird. And I don't, know how to pray and do I just say the Hail Mary because that feels like non you know what's the word I'm looking for genuine but like it feels weird to just like talk at God and like should I be waiting for a response should I be hearing a voice is it a literal voice but Mark tell us about your prayer journey sure um my uh, prayer journey is a I think a fairly 
standard one, I had, well, standard in, I guess, college becomes its whole other thing. Um, but I am your classic cradle Catholic. Um, I uh, grew up with my mom being the uh, person in charge of our faith life. Um, so dragging us to Sunday mass um, every single Sunday uh, with like the scratchy polo shirts and the uncomfortable jeans. And as a kid, it's like, you know, the last place you want to be. Um, and like, you don't want to wake up early. And sometimes you go to the diner afterwards and sometimes you don't. And, um, you know, I didn't really have an appreciation for my faith uh, for a very long time. Um, I went to public school up until high school. So I went to like, you know, uh, what we, many people would call CCD, but we just called it religion. We had religion after school. Um, and for a few years, my mom was the religion teacher. And then I went into other classes and um, couldn't remember like anything from those, you know, beyond that, like they prepared us for like doing like receiving confirmation and the sacraments and all that stuff. Um, but then in high school, uh, my mom sent me to uh, Shamrat High School, which is run by Society of Mary. Um, shout out the Marianists who also run Dayton, uh, where Katie went to undergrad. Um, I know you two talked about uh, over the last two podcasts, like devotions to your own personal devotions to, to Mary. And that's certainly something that's present in my faith and spiritual life too. Um, Chaminade was where I went to high school in Long Island. Um, all guys, uh, which, you know, somewhere in, in my life, my mom convinced me that that was like what I wanted to do for high school was go to an, an all male environment. Um, and I don't know how she pulled it off. Like you really like wizard Jedi mind tricks. Um, but like I went and it, and it was a fantastic four years and I met, an incredible group of guys who I'm still friends with to this day. Shamanad um, uh, was really, really great with teaching me, I think, like the tenets of the faith. Like, here's what we believe. Here's how we believe it. Um, and, you know, cultivating uh, a devotion to Mary. Uh, and then I went to Fordham undergrad run by the Jesuits. Uh, and that's where uh, the Jesuits like kind of got their, their hooks in me. And they, they've yet, they've yet to release it. Um, however many years now down the road i don't want to know um it's at least right it's like almost six years here two years of grad school four years of college yeah almost over a decade of my life now um with the jesuits uh so i went into fordham um as you know a, a 18 year old who who had everything figured out um it was very confident and i had everything figured out with my life and my faith um and jesuit education i think really broke that open for me um, where all of a sudden I was being encouraged to reflect on like what I believe, how I believe it. Do I agree with things in the church? Do I not mm -hmm. agree with them? How do things that I disagree with factor into my own personal prayer life um, and faith life? Uh, and uh, all of that with the idea of like growing into my most full and authentic self for God. Um, and that like what God wants most is human flourishing um, and and the, my own personal flourishing. So super resonated with that. Um, I knew pretty early on, or not pretty early on, but halfway through my time at Fordham, um, I had a lot of friends that graduated and did a year uh, in the Joseph Volunteer Corps. Um, so when I graduated, it was kind of a no-brainer for me that I was going to do a year with JVC. Um, I was in Tucson, Arizona, the same year that Jill was in Scranton. Um, and JVC is also just kind of a, like blue open uh, like what it means for me to just be a human in the world, but also uh, what it means to be a person of faith. Um, and primarily like how are, or how am I using my faith to promote justice? Um, 
and to include those who aren't included in the conversation. Um, I, I kind of took that core idea and, and thesis and made that part of my like grad school experience of knowing that I wanted to work with college students uh, and working with college students usually means you're working in pretty privileged settings and environments. So how am I using my like platform and privilege here in, in Fairfield, Connecticut, which is like, you know, some of the whitest of the white uh, and affluent communities um, around me uh, to help students break open what it means to be a person in the world, um, how their faith inspires them or, or drives them to do more and to go further. Um, in Jesuit education, we call it the Majus, what more am I doing for God? Um, and, and here I am now, uh, six years into my career, uh, almost six years into my career, and still kind of having that be the focus of, of my time is, is having students reflect on um, what it means to, uh, to, to be a person of faith um, and how that especially is going to play uh, in their life beyond college. Um, so my faith has, has grown from one that was given to me into one that I've made my own over the years and now one that I'm trying to share uh, outwards through like creating spaces where students can kind of figure it out for themselves. Um, oh, but yeah, that's uh, um, a slightly so, abridged, I guess, version, but not that abridged. That was great. Thank you. Thank you. I know you've just talked about how this, how your faith was something that was given to you and now you have ownership for. So where does prayer fall into all of this? What would you even define prayer as? Great question. Can prayer be defined? That's that's the that's the I think the, the big question that I had when uh, when I saw the questions earlier. My initial bounce on it is to say like any intentional time spent with God uh, and slash or however one names God is what I would consider prayer. Katie, to your point earlier, talking to students about how they pray or what prayer looks like. Um, I have um, mm -hmm. had the the opportunity to offer spiritual direction to students now for the last two academic years through my my training at, at BC in our postmasters program. And I think a lot of the work that I am doing in spiritual direction with students is encouraging them to break open what it means to pray. So I have one student who who has been the very similar kind of faith journey, like grew up in the church, liturgical minister here at Fairfield, like really involved. And then over the last year or so has, has kind of fallen off a little bit and is is recontextualizing what it means to pray. So she's been like, ah, like I don't really feel like, you know, sitting in the chapel. I'm like, well, like, what do you do for your own like mental health or like, you know, physical health? He's like, oh, I go on like really long walks. I'm like, well, like when you're going on those long walks, like, what are you doing? She's like, sometimes I'm just kind of thinking in my head, since I'm listening to music and it's like, yeah, sometimes I do talk to God during that. And I was like, well, that's prayer. Like it's not the, the sitting down in the chapel or, you know, making the sign of the cross and, and reciting a formula, but it is like intentional time spent in conversation and how and, and where God talks back to us is like one of the great mysteries um, of, of being aware of, or, or to remind, to rewind it for a sec, I, uh, Ignatian spirituality, uh, which is something I can get into a little bit later, has been for me like the core part of prayer in my life of finding God in all things. Um, and in particular, in Ignatian spirituality, there's the idea that God speaks to us through our emotions. So, like when we're praying um, and contemplating and reflecting, uh, our emotions are 
driving us towards one thing or another? Are um, are we are we feeling an increase in faith, hope, and love, which would be consolation? I know one of you two mentioned in a previous podcast, not knowing what consolation and desolation were. Um, so to tie that back, um, or like a, a decrease in faith, hope, and love, which would be desolation. Like all of those are way ways God talk to talks to us, but without like you know a bush lighting on fire or a lightning bolt shooting across the sky. Like there, there are very subtle ways that maybe we wouldn't necessarily think of as, as God talking yeah. back. And that's why I was thinking about that question, because even with the students that I work with, just not knowing how to, but there's this idea that there's a right and wrong way to do it, or just what it actually even is, is such a question that they struggle with and I know I've struggled with my whole life and even just defining it as a conversation or an emotion or just intentional Mm -hmm. time that you're using to deepen that relationship with your higher power is prayer and I think that's what JVC really did for me was that it broke open the mold of it had to be either mass adoration divine mercy rosary that was it that's all you had to work with And JVC showed me, like you were saying, going on a walk or even, I know yoga is like a really big practice that Mm -hmm. a lot of people use or how whatever like movement of any kind or just being in nature or just being in silence, all of those things would count if you're, you know, uh, in quotes would count as prayer. And I think once we're, once we drop the walls of the rigidness that we think it leaves so much room for exploration of our own faith and it takes God out of a box and it shows just how much God can do for our lives as well. When we don't confine God and us to a certain way that we think we need to be or say, or do to have that relationship. Yeah, that's really well said. I, um, hopefully none of my bosses are listening, but like my most profound, I think experiences of like God and, and faith and, just like being connected to something grander than myself. Um, those moments have not really come in church for me the last few years. Um, I could like name like, mm. you know, hikes that I've been on, like just spending time out in nature, especially in the fall uh, in the Northeast when the leaves are changing colors and there's a Christmas Christmas to the air and it's silent or like there's like, you know, a dog on the hiking trail, like things like that um, are for me, like really profound moments of, of like God moments. Um, going to a concert with friends and like hearing your favorite band play your favorite song. Like for me, that's prayer. And it's not what I grew up learning, but I I think especially with, with young folks who are going through the Catholic education system, that's not always something they're, they're exposed to. So especially if we're talking about what Catholic school didn't teach you, (laughs) expanding the, what prayer is, is something that is like, is how my faith at least has, has evolved um, since graduating college when faith isn't just like handed to you on a silver platter. And like, that's ironic being that my job is campus ministry and like faith is a part of my everyday work here, but like, yeah, it, it, it takes effort and uh, expanding what, what we previously knew faith or faith or prayer to be. Um, and then all, all that being said, like, so I know some people who really jive with the formula and jive with the structure um, of prayer. Uh, my coworker um, and our fellow STM grad, uh, Val, is like a huge church person, huge liturgy of the, the hours person. 
uh, we took an immersion trip to Ecuador and like in the airport, she was like reading the, uh, I don't even know the proper name of the book, which is bad, but like she had like the liturgy hours, like praying it in the lobby of the airport. And like, that's something that connects her very deeply with her faith and something that is like very admirable and something that I, I wish I had a, a greater connection to. Like mm-hmm. the people find the comfort in that structure. Um, and, and I think, you know, all these work together, you know, we've talked about that before we've talked this subject to death probably over the past eight years that we've known each other but you know those years where self-care is your highest form of prayer right where it's like all right i'm gonna go for a run or a walk and i'm going to meditate and i'm going to do a face mask when i get home and like that could be that can be prayer and it's okay if that like a year later isn't working in the same way that it always does like you can switch it up and if a year later like that run isn't hitting the way you need it to spiritually but like the our father really is fantastic like that can ebb and that can flow and self-care can be your highest form of prayer but also those routine things that were you know ingrained in us as catholics from the age of three you know those can also be helpful or useful or beautiful or whatever. I think that's why when I was younger and even still now, I mean, I always talk, I've talked about a couple of times now to have the divine mercy is a prayer that I, I pray it every single day. And especially when I'm the most anxious or feel like I need the most help is what I go to. But going back to me being a person that likes the black and white likes to play with Legos and have the directions and follow the directions and get the result. That I think is what prayers like the rosary and divine mercy and, and things like that can offer us is that if you you don't have the capacity or you're not in in the space where you feel you can just have a conversation or how katie how did you say on the first day that i i talked to god like an italian mom if you talked to her if you're not there yet that's okay you know it it's it's more of just a celebration of all the different ways that you can deepen your relationship with God through prayer in whatever way speaks to you is good. And there is no reason to feel that one way is less important or less good than another mm-hmm. way. And to give yourself that freedom to explore is important. Yeah. And I think the important work that all three of us are doing is talking with students when they've been given the formula and they've been told this is what connects you to god but then all of a sudden at 18 19 20 those formulas aren't evoking the same kind of mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. prayer response that they've been used to so now when they're moving into that period of discovery how can prayer evolve um and it should and that's what being a human in the world is is about so i feel like we've addressed a lot of these questions already which is fantastic because <laughs> we're just flowing we're just we're just flowing with the content. It's like when you've known each other for like 10 years, conversation. Yeah. It's easy, like, yeah, it's, yeah, I know. <laughs> like really. We haven't already talked about this so many times. <laughs> um, but you had talked a little bit before, Mark, about um, Ignatian spirituality and different things about that that have shaped you. Um, but I'd like to hear more about that. What are specific practices through Ignatian spirituality that have really resonated with you? It's a, it's a great tee up. Um, I'll do a little primer, I guess, on Ignatian spirituality as well, because I don't want to presume that folks listening um, yeah, are, are aware. Um, and that's something that 
I think I, I'm always hyper aware of when talking about Jesuit stuff is people, I've been speaking of the vocab for a while, um, but Ignatian spirituality um, is a form of spirituality given to us or, you know, created by Ignatius of Loyola, who in the 1500s uh, had another kind of like very classic saint story where he was kind of doing his own thing. Um, he was uh, a, a infamous like womanizer. He was very into his looks. He very pridefully like went out into the battlefield and got uh, hit in the leg. <laughs> his leg got shattered by a cannonball. Um, and in his vet, hate when that happens. Hate when it happens. Yeah, <laughs> a classic, a classic cannonball situation. <laughs> and he was so like vain in the way that it healed because it didn't like when it healed, it didn't like look right at first. Um, that he had the doctors essentially like rebreak his leg and reset it. Um, and it was like a painful and long recovery process. And all he had to do, all all he could do, was like read the two books that, he, that were in the house, which is for the lives of the saints and I think the life the life of Christ. He then like found, discovered this devotion through prayer. Um, and I'll fast forward a little bit. He had kind of a, a crazy era where he was like growing his hair out and his fingernails out and went to the Holy Land. And the people in the Holy Land were like, "You, what are you doing? You need to leave. Like, get out of here. That was don't... his hot girl era. Leave him alone. <laughs> like, we don't want He had a hot here. girl era. <laughs> yeah. And it's just his hot girl era was living in like caves by rivers in the Holy Land. <laughs> he just had like some coffin tip fingernails <laughs> and his cat is curl routine. All right. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, but then he decided that like he wanted to create this, this order, um, but it required like learning um, like Latin and stuff like that. So he like as a 25 year old or something like that, like enrolled in school with like fifth graders to learn Latin um, and Fast forward to more, um, the Jesuits come about. Um, at the end of, of your last pod, you read that that friendship prayer with, with Xavier and Ignatius. And Ign- like, St. Francis Xavier was one of his like first pals. Um, he was one of the original Jesuits to like, kind of sign up. And uh, something that I really love about their friendship that is also kind of like deeply sad um, was Xavier was like a missionary. So he was going out all over the world, especially to the to the East to do missionary work and in their letters back and forth at some point Ignatius realized that like they're both very old and the odds of them seeing each other again were very very low so like even though like he desperately missed his friend and like it was in Ignatius's power to like recall him back um to Jesuit HQ he didn't um because St. Francis Xavier was like inspired by his work and continued to go on um yeah so slight tangents that 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 the prayer (laughs) reminded me of uh but uh, Ignatius became really involved in education, um, especially in Italy. People were like, we want you to educate our kids. And he was like, all right, like that wasn't what I was originally set, set out to do, uh, but I'll do it. Um, and then fast forward 500 years, um, Ignatian, like, like Jesuit schools and colleges are, are all over the world. But the Ignatian spirituality for me is, can be summed up with like the phrase finding God in all things. It starts there and expands out to, to a lot of other uh, areas of faith. One of the, the the ways that Ignatius encouraged Jesuits to become aware of uh, where God is present in their lives um, was through this prayer called the examine, the daily examine. Um, and now he, Ignatius wasn't like breaking like, you know, fresh ground. It wasn't like, well, I don't know the words I'm looking for. Like it wasn't a revolutionary concept. So like look back at your day mm-hmm. um, and just see how it was. Uh, but the way that Ignatius turned it into prayer, where one 
acknowledges God's presence. Um, step one, acknowledge God's presence in the room, and then the movement into gratitude. Um, and then my favorite part is uh, in, in step three, Ignatius encourages us to review our day. Um, so when I go with students, it's like, imagine your, your day is like a movie. You press play, it starts when you wake up and you move through until now. What are moments that stood out? What were you feeling during those moments? Where is God, where God might be, like, where is God talking to you through those moments and through those emotions throughout your day? Uh, and then the fourth step is like looking at like what parts of my day could I have been better? Um, what parts of my day where I was not my most authentic or full self? And, and like, where was I not the person that I was called to be? Um, and, and the final step is how can I be better tomorrow? How can I increase my awareness of, of God tomorrow. Ignatius thought this was like the most important prayer in the world. He was like, Jesuits, if you have nothing else, if you do only like one thing a day, it's do the examine. I think it was like at lunchtime and at, and at the end of your day. Um, that's what he wanted them to do. Uh, so that's become, for me, like it is a formula prayer almost, but a formula prayer that opens you up to a lot of creativity and introspection um, as well. So on, on days where my prayer life is flowing, the examine is something that I engage with a lot. Um, it's also a great uh, tool for me to use with students um, as they're, you know, moving through the, the rigors and challenges of, of a college lifestyle. And then I would, I would be remiss to, to mention that in the mid 20th century, in the 1900s, the uh, Jesuits had a superior general called Pedro Arupe. Uh, who is considered to be like kind of the second founder of the Jesuits. He made the charge or gave the Jesuits the charge to really live into a faith that does justice. Um, so the the phrase that you hear a lot in Jesuit schools of like men and women form with others, um, that is from Pedro Arupe. Um, he wanted the Jesuits to turn uh, and focus on how are we serving those um, on the margins, um, and how can we be doing that better? Because that's what God is calling us to do. So all of that, um, I mentioned to Ma just earlier, the concept of what more am I doing for God? Uh, it means right more in Latin. Um, I think some some schools are interpreted as like, what more are you doing? Like, get involved, you do more, do more, do more. Uh, but I talk to <laughs> students about that being a like an intentional thing. It's like uh, choose the quality over the quantity. Like do do the things. Um, that are leading you more into your most full self, um, the person that you believe God is calling you to be. Like, don't do more just because it looks great on a resume. Like, do more because you're feeling called to do more. Um, and then to close the, close the loop, um, these are the, the four terms that uh, Fairfield uses. Um, we did modest. We did uh, men and women form with others. Faith that does justice. Uh, was in there. Uh, contemplatives in action is kind of the, the last phrase that we use, uh, which is, you know, our, we are reflecting as we're acting, and then our actions lead to more reflection, which lead to more actions. It's a, a circular process <laughs> of we're always looking at what we're doing and seeing how it's bringing us closer to God. Um, so that was a really long diatribe um, that went all over the place, but no, that was yeah. great. I don't, yeah. I don't think, I mean, we certainly have never done a deep dive on St. Ignatius on this podcast <laughs> and that's good background for a lot of our listeners to know. So thank you. And honestly, you're, you're more qualified to do it than I am. For yeah, sure. So thank you. <laughs> thank you. They've just, they've just had their, had their hooks in me since freshman year of college. And now I'm 30 years old and still, <laughs> you can't get them out. I know. 
I guess last question. Are there any saints outside of, and I like this question, Julie. Are there any saints outside of St. Ignatius of Loyola? You can't say him. <laughs> that you identify with the most, either because of the spirituality they've practiced, because of their prayer life, because of their personal life, because of their story. If saints were Pokemon and you had to choose one right now, Sure. I'm going to, um, I have, I have one saint and then I have one cheat that I'm going to throw in. Um, I have always resonated with, with Thomas. Um, one, it's my middle name, um, but like the idea that like Jesus came back and he was like, nah, that ain't you. (laughs) (laughs) Prove it. A hundred percent agree. And like, and like I, I feel like he gets a bad rap in scripture because everyone is like he gets like shamed. It's like yeah, like centuries, centuries later, like yeah, doubting Thomas, and it's like no one's come back before, you know? Like <laughs> no, that's that's rational Thomas. <laughs> rational Thomas. Rational Thomas. <laughs> you know when he when, when he who hasn't doubted cast the first stone here, like he, dude, he's a dude gets a bad rap. Um, but I like the the idea, or I've resonated with the idea, especially in times of like stress um, or or like you know the tumultuous times in my life. That like it is natural and normal to doubt God, um, and mm. it's just I I, I think I've, I've said the phrase "part of being human" a million times. But like that's just that's just I, I, it's resonated a lot with me throughout my life. Um, is it is in moments of doubt? I wasn't the first. I'm not the first one. I won't be the last one. He's an ally. Yeah. yeah. Shout out Thomas. <laughs> Uh, the, the, I'm going to cheat though and throw in someone that I hope one day is canonized even though if, if it's like a iffy thing um, with the organization but Dorothy Day, shout out Dorothy Day shout um, out Dorothy Day I think like Dorothy 100%. Day didn't want to be doesn't want to be canonized but I think it's no. she'll be canonized like one day um, and I think just someone who has completely devoted their life to justice work and like a radical, radical movement uh, of like putting the gospels mm-hmm. firmly into action. Um, I have a, a piece, uh, an art piece that is on my far wall in my office um, called Christ the Breadlines, um, which came about through the Catholic worker movement. It's an, it was an etching by like Franz Eichenberg. I might have messed up that name, but it like just shows like Jesus standing in line um, at like essentially be a soup kitchen. Um, with like a bunch of other people, uh, people experiencing homelessness. Um, and it has really been a really moving piece for me. And I think reflecting, reflects like the inspiration I re- received from Dorothy Day's example over the years. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, those would be my, those would be my two. Oh my gosh. Mark, thank you so much for being here. Of this course. is, it's just so nice to see your face and hear your voice and oh. chat with you. I feel like we're back in your basement apartment in Brighton, Massachusetts, you know? So once again, thank you to our friend, Mark. Really quick, before we wrap up, if any of our listeners out there are so musically inclined and want to write us a short little jingle, or Mark, if you know any students, I'll give them five bucks. <laughs> or if you're not musically inclined and really just want to see. <laughs> I mean, hey, anything the better than the what I could come up with. <laughs> We've been using Jillian's like little one-liners at the start as our theme song, which I don't hate. <laughs> not gonna lie. I like to sing when, sing what I'm saying when I'm bored or in pain or just want to say, <laughs> sing a jingle. So <laughs> yeah, we, we missed a really good one. 
Um, so I thought we'd close out today with a little bit of Psalm 86, um, talking about, you know, no formulaic prayer. This is the OG formulaic prayer. <laughs> so Psalm 86, um, 11 through 17, in the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Teach me, Lord, your way that I may walk in your truth, single-hearted and revering your name. I will praise you with all my heart. Glorify your name forever, Lord my God. Your mercy to me is great. You have rescued me from the depths of shale. O God, the arrogant have risen against me. A ruthless band has sought my life. To you they pay no heed. But you, Lord, are a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in mercy and truth. Turn to me, be gracious to me. Give your strength to your servant. Save the son of your handmaid. Give me a sign of your favor. Make my enemies see to their confusion that you, Lord, help and comfort me. Amen. Right. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Thanks, team. Yes, thank you again, Mark. Thanks for having me. Thank you all for listening. Hope you have a wonderful Valentine's Day. Start to your Lent. Happy birthday, Jelly. Oh, thank you. We'll see you all next Bye. week. Bye. Bye.